Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday, Central. What is that downtown? Uh, so you basically uh, sign up for these scooters on your phone, on an app, and you can rent it forever, however long you need it for, and you just ride this motorized scooter around downtown. You just take it back somewhere when you're done. I think you just park it whenever you're done, and then it there's like GPS on them. And it, you can just find one and then go <laughs> about your way. Coming into the modern age. I know, Look right? Look at us go. Until what? they're all stolen. I saw two today. So at least there's two still downtown. As soon as we start seeing them on Union Avenue <laughs> on the way to Rocket Shop. They're done. Yeah. They're there'll done. be one guy riding one, holding one. and the, Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, by the way, this is your first time, I believe. And I feel bad because I poured it too fast. <laughs> and I might I might not have gotten the ratio right for the tea bags to the tea to pour two of them. However, this is your first time trying Dajirling tea. We're both huge tea fans. This is your first time trying Dajirling tea. Yeah. And, and the way I found Dajirling tea is that I, I Googled searched, because I get really busy at work sometimes, I Google searched uh, luxury teas. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I was having it's a, the whitest thing you've ever said. <laughs> yeah, it is, pretty, it is a pretty white thing to do. Yeah. And I Googled that, and Darjeeling tea came up, and it calls it's labeled the champagne of teas. Mm, it's nice. It's smooth. I was going to ask you how you feel about it. I was worried when you first took a sip. I didn't. I didn't think you were blown away, and Is I know that you're, why you were staring at as me. Well, I, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> you know. Other reasons. You know why I was staring. At, I've been staring at you for four years. You know, any comedian listening to this right now is like these fucking two. Like, oh yeah, because it's is, all constant. This is how They've we gotta do. Got to be so tired of it. Ne- oh them? Yeah them. They're probably very tired. I'm not tired of it. I love me, it every time. Me neither. Yeah, I, I, it's gonna be a big love fest. <laughs> what yeah especially the open mics and all that they whatever that is for them as soon as you're at the open mic it's just love fest for me and yep. I'm, I'm going to annoy them every time yeah it's fantastic so on your scale of teas and this is a poor example for the dejeerling i will get a better example <laughs> next time on your scale of teas uh and by the way uh for whenever this i cut this in in mm-hmm. post i'm with the lovely hilarious margaret haggard one of my favorite people on earth one of the funniest people i've seen uh, thank, thank you, you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, on your scale of teas, uh, what's tops, and where do you think where do you think this tea, at least how it's created? And you're not you won't break my heart. I just want to know objectively, so I know how to alter the formula next time where this ranks. Uh, this is pretty mellow. I think I would enjoy it more if it was steeped a little bit longer. Okay. Um, I'm That's someone who likes like bitter kind of tea. Um. But it's up there. Yeah, tell the people what you do when you order a Starbucks tea because you made me feel like a pussy <laughs> when I tried to hang with you one time. <laughs> I do a Trenta black iced tea, no water, no sweetener. Yeah, no water. And I had never heard of, I do unsweetened iced tea as well, but I had never heard of what no water means. Yeah, they're cutting that shit with water. Yeah. You want more, you got to get the, the concentrated. High octane. Yeah. Just liquefy a leaf. Yeah. And, put, and it is like a hard. So I, I did it with Margaret one time. I got two teas with, with no water. And I started drinking mine. And about the third or fourth sip, I feel like a burning in my like a 
in my throat. I feel yeah, like yeah. that, like that feeling you get when you're about to get sick. And I'm like, wow, I'm a little bitch. I think, and you're just sucking that thing down. Yeah. Like no, that's the yeah. high octane caffeine. Yeah. I wonder how much caffeine is in the no water. I'm not sure. That's the good stuff right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's huge. Have you seen them brew it before? There's like these no. huge tea bags and it, it, it's just one of them and it goes in and they put it in the hot water and they make it steep for five minutes and then that's the tea they and take that's the tea all. bag out and yeah and it's super dark and that's how so they have that one ready to go too usually okay when they know you're when they know you're coming <laughs> yeah when i'm stopping by i got to make sure they have their tea in stock yeah that's at right. home we make it with 10 tea bags when i do so oh, i do shit. a pot of water and 10 tea bags on i only the stove. did three here does that change your opinion that's only three yeah i think that's why that's mellow but it, it is nice because it doesn't make the back of my tongue kind of like seize up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's built to be smooth too the, right. again champagne of the 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 king of teas yeah the tea of kings <laughs> darjeeling this podcast <laughs> sponsored <you> by, by. <laughs> tazo darjeeling tea is it tazo it's tazo okay i'm gonna yeah. have to get some organic okay thank you yeah. thank you <laughs> thank you for placating me yeah, yeah. at least yeah making me feel better about it no i i'm i'm excited to try so we've we bonded over many things tea being one of them and we drink we've we've drank tea and and done open mics together we've drank tea and written scripts together yeah uh which we're we'll be getting back together to do which is a, a lot of fun yeah. uh you're a comic of multiple talents and you've got a foot in a bunch of worlds and you let me know which ones you want to talk about as they come up so oh, we've okay. done uh we've done some scripts uh, you do some acting and theater. I have. Work. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything coming up? No. In the near future, something just passed, right? I the last thing I did was Cry Havoc. Okay. Um, at Bigfield Community Theater, mm-hmm. and that was a, a full play, three acts, uh, everything. I died at the end. Oh no! Hashtag spoilers. Spoiler alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! Uh, which I probably should have told my mother before I let her see the show, but did, I didn't. How did she take it? She was very upset. <laughs> Not like that. Um, well, I feel like I should clarify for the people too. You smash it when you're on stage. Oh, I, don't, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and I I saw you uh, in in vagina monologues. The vagina monologues. That was my first time on stage that was not stand up. Yeah. Um. So that was my first little foray into which, acting. by the way. Got, uh, if I remember correctly, got some laughs. Uh, I did in the speech, and then went hard in the pain <laughs> to close it out. And yeah. I was there, I believe, the first night, uh, not the second night. But you said I heard the second night was the same as the first night, where you got a standing ovation. I did, I did. Um, I didn't really see it because I I did the the monologue, which was uh, the girl or the woman who loved to make vaginas happy. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> real stretch of character, I, you know, it really, <laughs> I had to dig deep. To, I dig, yeah. yeah. I had to do some soul searching on that one. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was born for this role. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that's the monologue that ends in a series of moans and, yeah. and the moaning is different based on, on, you know, who the person is moaning. So I'm imitating all these people doing these fake orgasms yeah. basically. And at the very end, I end up face down on the ground yeah, you moaning do. yeah, yeah, you do. yeah. It was, i'll tell you what it was hot <laughs> it was hot um so yeah i got a standing ovation but i didn't really see it because i was i was face down on the ground right uh and then the lights go down and then i left stage and everyone was like oh my god like they 
Nailed and it. And then my boyfriend, Dina, had to go up after me and do I a know. really serious one. I know. And she did a great job. But I was thinking about her as I was like, from the comedic mindset, I'm like, who the fuck is going to follow this? Like, right. How do you? I thought it was over. Like, right. that's like, it's it's <laughs> over. And yeah. then you're right. They had to bring someone out to do a very dramatic reading. And yeah. poor Tina had to... She she stuck in there. But she did, and she did a great job. Really and, did, you know. But that's that's funny because that's the difference between theater and comedy. Like when we when we do something, we want to end on something like that. We on the crescendo, end on a banger. Like it, it's got to be good because you want to you want to leave on that laugh. Yes. And with theater, it's a little different. It takes you through different emotions. Yeah. And, and everything, but it was it was a really fun experience, and it was it was weird also saying someone else's words on stage right instead of my own right um but coming from the comedy background like that's where the laughs came in and i think my director um maria like i think that's why she had me do that one sure because i have the the comedy background right and especially when you're going into the different moments you're feeding off the crowd on what they're you know what what parts of the room you're gonna hit yeah and what's what's working and what might not work so yeah very yeah perceptive on how to work because i think we can read something and know where the breaks are gonna be you know and we we do plan for that and sometimes it does not happen that's what this whole podcast is about yeah (laughs) Uh, but i think i think being able to look at a script and say this is where if i say something in this way i can make this funnier than it appears on the stage or you know whatever it may be and speaking of that what this whole podcast is about we've again we've known each other almost five years now and we're yeah. you know we're like family yeah. as opposed to just friends and i've i've been unofficially adopted by your family yeah you call my mom mom i call your mom mom mm-hmm. and and so thankful in that moment when i got to come see you at the vagina monologues that i am so close to your family because i got to sit with your mom and i yeah. got to sit with laura and be welcomed in mm-hmm. because what I I didn't know what I was walking into right. and when I walked into the building I, with the general disposition that I guess I give off at a quick glance uh-huh. almost everyone else in the building was looking me, at me like what are what are you, what are you, you doing do- oh yeah, okay <laughs> yeah right. saw something named vagina oh you're yeah, here you? for pussy now <laughs> yeah everyone was giving me that look like yeah. yeah and then i got to sit with your family and they're like all right he i guess he's okay <laughs> i guess he's okay he's, he's cool. yeah he knows someone in the band yeah. i guess so it was yeah it was comforting for me good i'm glad i need to come out and see one of your performances again uh soon though yeah i you know after cry havoc like that one took it out of me that, that was a full that, that was, was a heavy full huh? play and it was heavy it yeah. was you know it was about um the war and and um nurses during yeah. that time that that went over and were basically stuck and mm. like the philippines and and what they went through and then my character in particular like it seemed like every time there was a good and happy scene i was off stage okay and then when i came on stage it was like heavy full drama like how do you like the interplay between having a foot in both of those worlds is it refreshing that you can you know after you're comedied out because i've said to the guys a number of times after a few weeks i need a break from comedians yeah and and comedy when you get just too herky-jerky into it or all of the i would say my favorite part about comedy what makes us all love it so much is writing jokes and telling jokes. Mm-hmm. But when you get into it and chase this as a career path, 
2% of it is writing jokes and telling jokes. Right. And all the rest of it is just is slugging through the drudge and the nonsense and the drama and all just to get to that point. And that's how good that 2% is, is, is that it's worth all that other 98%. Right. Do you find it refreshing that you can take a break and still stay in entertainment and explore another avenue of it that you, you enjoy? Yeah, it's, it's refreshing. It gives you a different perspective, you know, and they, and there's a lot of comedians who talk about, you have to, you have to stop and live your life at some point in order to have something to talk about on stage. And I feel like just being a creative person, but, but finding different outlets for that creativity, um, it it helps me a lot. Like, and one thing is I'm, I'm very soft spoken. I know you've, you've heard me on mics where they can't hear uh-huh. um and i think well with theater there's no mic you know we weren't mic'd up that was it was community theater you know i'm up on stage i'm having to project yeah. to make sure that the last person the very end of the the theater can hear me yeah and so that that helped you know in a technical aspect of things so it is you you take a lot from from other things when you that's when you kind of branch out. Very helpful because, and that's something that I kind of share with you at times. Yeah. Where, I, to give you an example, I was just at a Christmas party for work, and like when I showed up, it was it's you know that like high, the school cafeteria yeah. when there's just that random yeah of noise. There was that, and then there was like music in the background, and I was trying to talk to coworkers, and the projection of my voice just kind of went away. Yeah. Because I wasn't comfortable, and right. I and, and I so things like that that can break you, and it was I had to rely on my stand-up chops. Yeah. To talk about how things are at my new job with the old job people without kind of folding and slinking back to be a wallflower. Right. It's it's weird how those things do you see those little things. Yeah, you and I are both very like private yes kind of standoffish people and yeah. i think we're just we're introverts like That's right. and so it's you know doing stand-up it's like becoming a different person it's it, me yeah. but it's an exaggerated version of me yeah um and yeah so it's i don't know like this is the this is the me that six people in my life get to see yeah if i wasn't doing this like yeah. my you know you my brother uh, you know a couple of my siblings and and maybe three or four other people would get to see the version that i get to do on stage right yeah it, yeah and it that's it really, yeah. yeah did you when you started uh doing theater did you have any like learning curve issues or run into any kind of weirdness in injecting yourself into that world was it were there any like faux pas until you got <laughs> There was one. I have a lot of friends that are in the theater. Yeah. Um. So. And they're fantastic. By they're the way, great. They're yeah. great people. Oh, they're so good. Um. Most of them were at my wedding. You met. Yeah, they you were, met all. Yeah. Of them. yeah. And a black. I mean, they, man. Party starters. Party starters, and yeah. just when they walked into the wedding, it was so. They just walk in with a presence. They they're, do. Like they're wearing cool hats. Yeah. And they're wearing. That was Claire. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're yeah. wearing suits that look like man. It just. Yeah. It looked like a like a. Even a cooler version of a Fallout Boy broke out <laughs> video broke out on the bridge of like God damn that's flavor in there. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. yeah, and they're all they're also very unique and you know and they they kill it in theater. Like I've never seen performances like I have from my friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And so I I got an idea of it from behind the scenes just knowing them. And then when I joined in, there were things that I didn't know like backstage when you know, your stage manager says, you know, five till places and you're supposed to say, thank you, five. 
Oh, Mac. okay. So you're acknowledging, I heard, I understand, I comprehend, I will be there. In comedy, acknowledge the light. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's so it's, it's, there are little things like that, but I always wanted to say Macbeth backstage because I know that's like a huge faux pas. Like, oh, it is? It's supposed to be bad luck. You can't say Macbeth you backstage? You cannot say Macbeth backstage. Okay. Yeah. It would be funny to, like, if you knew everybody, of course, not if you were going to throw people off that you don't know, but if you're right. not on a particular play. Just go up and, and whisper. Just scream it in the, yeah, <laughs> Beth, <laughs> yeah, fuck now. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I wanted to. I, I held back the urge. Yeah. I don't want to throw anyone off their there's a, Yeah, there's always time. I <laughs> <laughs> got a lot re- of performances. I got to just fuck one up. If I, do a th- if I do a show at, like, The Empty Space again, I'm just going to write a piece of uh, Macbeth on a piece of paper and like stick it under the couch because at some point someone's going to find it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad omen. They're, uh, they're very superstitious when it comes to stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, there were things like, you know, if we have a really bad tech week, um, that means that the opening is going to be fantastic. If everything's running smoothly, that means your opening is going to just eat shit. You know, it's kind of things like that. I wish we had stuff like that in standup that you could chalk it up to those things instead of being on the drive home being like, I'm a dumb (laughs) disgrace. It's terrible. (laughs) It was all me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard too, because like in standup, you're relying on yourself and on the theater, like with cry havoc, you know, I had a bunch of other people up there with me. So, Mm You're relying on them too, you know, right. and if someone forgets their lines or, or misses a cue and you've got a, it's like an improv situation. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of actors do improv because you have to be able to think on your feet like that and go, okay, this person skipped this line. What would make sense next? Yeah. yeah or you just keep going or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's wild. It, it's, it's crazy. It's an interesting world uh, to to couple with stand up. Like there's so many parallels, but then it's just such a different world. It really is. And I know a lot of my theater friends are like, I would never be able to do stand up. I don't know how you do that. You know, and it's and we feel the, the same opposite. about the yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you like you happen to have a natural tendency for both. Like you you got off the ground running very. We started, I think. In within the same, we started months. around the same time. Yeah, but we didn't meet for a couple of months. We, yeah, um, because I was kind of just doing uh, shows at the Irish Heritage Club. Right. Uh, my friend Matt got me started in that because he was running the shows with mm-hmm. Kenny, and so I was doing those. But I wasn't doing any open mics. I hadn't really thought about it. Right. I was just doing these little shows every couple of months, and that was it. And then it was actually Naomi um, who came to a show at okay. Irish Heritage Club, and she was like, we do open mics every week. Like, you should you should come out. And she, like, gave me her phone number and was like, this is the day and the time that we do it. Like, so cool. come and see what it's like. Friend yeah. of the comedy group, yeah. Naomi Reem. And she, boy, she was pivotal in the beginning of this <laughs> comedy scene. Uh, for, for one, things like that. And then two is, I, I used to joke around, but it, it's true. In those early days, especially trying to get some of those rooms off the ground, I had so many recordings. You know, you record your set to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I have so many recordings with only Naomi's laughter on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was one laughter on it. She has a good laugh, she, too. She's a, her and Andrew Boydston have the best friendly home crowd laughs yeah i've ever heard yeah. and, the, and there were so many recordings i had that it was just naomi but she's got a laugh good enough that it fills the room right and it can sway other people to kind of get into it so yeah. when naomi would be at a show i'd be like all right this will be okay yeah, i got this i'll ha- yeah this will be okay we'll get one chuckle to get this thing yeah going that's what it needs some audiences are shy like that they need someone oh, yeah. and that's why they hire people to 
to do that in live studio audiences. Audience coordinators and yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's when I, I, I was hammering the guys over the last couple months to stay in the room because we've been getting crowds at, uh, at the open mic at Tembler and Rocket Shop. And what'll happen is, I think it's a couple things. Just one of like wanting to just be away from it. Uh, two is you kind of want to be cool. And three is you heard the stories about comedians at the comedy cellar that sit at the table and they, you know, they're mm-hmm. outside at the table doing the comedian thing. Yeah. So they go outside and do the cool person thing. Mm-hmm. However, it makes the show so much better if everyone stays in because of that. It breaks the ice if the other comics are there and they're laughing. Mm-hmm. Then the crowd knows, okay, we, we don't have to clam up. Yeah, this it's stuff. okay to laugh. Yeah. Like, and it's surprising how many audiences don't know that. I know. And that's, you know, another one of my gripe about that too is like, I'm there for comedy. Mm-hmm. I'm there for myself, but I'm also there for comedy. I've been a fan of comedy since I was little. Right. Like, I want to see shitty open mics exactly. i don't care because i'm there for comedy i want to see your new stuff i want to watch my friends develop and find new tags and right. new ways to look at the same joke over and over and you know i don't care that i've heard, if i've heard the same joke 500 times i will laugh at it 500 times right. if it's a good joke i waited my whole life to try to work my way into see comedy for free <laughs> you know you're like to be in on it yeah and to be sitting there and be p- kind of like part of the show and so yeah same hang in there yeah and you'll you'll catch a much better time than you would you know out at the table yeah i don't you know the socializing thing it's you know it's good and but not much is happening out there except for bullshitting and smoking like that's it exactly and then you get you get to know people much better when you're in the room and get to know a crowd much better yeah especially with tembler like tembler like you said a lot of crowds don't know it's okay to laugh sometimes it takes 40 minutes for that crowd to well and that room is so big and it's and it's lit evenly yep so when we do high proper stage. shows there mm-hmm. and the the crowd is not lit but the stage is the laughs are going to be better right because people don't feel like they're just exposed right so it's it's different and then rocket shop i feel like ceilings lower you know it's darker we've got the spotlight so the crowd there might be a little bit warmer and a little quicker to respond to those things because right. i've seen horrible shows at open mic for a rocket shop which would be a good show at timbler right just because of the acoustics in the room oh yeah and speaking of that uh the rocket shop every everything being on top of each other uh bringing back to the irish heritage club which mm-hmm. was one of both of our one of our favorite rooms it oh was, yeah it was such a cool spot because it was it was highly lit but it was like this it was it was almost the size. It was a little bit larger than my living room slash dining room here, and it was like this everything. This is like the most like the. This is like the perfect like bachelor pad. Like I want to take pictures of this <laughs> yeah. and put it on a stock photography site and just hashtag bachelor living. You know where I'm at in my life, which is a, it, it makes me self-conscious is I am the veteran of the apartment complex unit. You're the one so that's been here the longest. I'm the one that's been here the longest. So I'm here and, and there's four units in this little building here. Mm-hmm. I've been through three sets of neighbors in every other unit, oh but my I'm still here. God. That's not a spot you want to be. It's like some failure to launch don't shit. Have any artwork on the walls? Nothing. There's no pictures in here. Mm-mm. Could walk away from it today. No one would know it was mine until they found the notebooks. Yeah, the comedy notebooks. The comedy notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> mean, it they... <laughs> sounds serial killer enough. You don't need the to... <laughs> until they found my manifesto. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it. It really does. I almost bought a house last year. Right. 
Oh, you, I remember, I, we talked about we this. We talked about this. But I, it's a delicate process and uh, I like to think about everything a thousand times and yeah. all the pitfalls. Too much, uh-huh. All, yep, yeah, too much. And it was in the dead heat of the summer in the, in the highest market where the buying is going through the roof. Yeah. And my real estate agent was churning me through pretty fast to get me through and I, I just put the brakes on. I wasn't ready to move through too that. Fast. Yeah. I wasn't learning quickly enough to catch up with what I was signing myself up for. Yeah. Uh, and he was being as patient with me as he could. But then my mortgage agent was like pushing it through faster than I was was right. understanding the terms. And then I was doing inspections and they're rattling shit off to me. But someone else is telling me that's ah, OK. Don't worry about that. And then someone else is telling me, no, you really should take a look. And, and I was like, you know what? Too much. Yeah. I'll come back when it's slow. And then I just haven't. Yeah, haven't done it yet, back. but we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> we'll, Eventually, you'll yeah. be right. Rocket Shop is is uh, an important spot for town here. And before we talk about kind of the either crazy shows or calamities or wh- whatever it is that you may have <laughs> that's part of this tonight, uh, I'd like to share a, a time when I saw you destroy the room and crush it because it's also about the big wins. Yeah, this. Uh, it just so happens that the more fun, funny ones are often when it right. just goes to a disgrace. Right. Uh, but but it was second year of when it was then Oil City Comedy Competition. Oh, yeah. The first real Oil City Comedy Competition <laughs> when it was really up to the judging to who's going to take this. Thing. Yeah. Uh, and some of us were, were in the previous year and kind of jilted by the process and we'd gotten back together. And this was the first year it was at Rocket Shop. And it was it was a big time thing back then. Mm-hmm. We had like a hundred people in the room. It was huge. It was packed. And just before the competition happens, you broke your foot. My toe. You broke your toe. So you show up in a walking boot. Yeah. Uh, and I, sh- I show up and I'm kind of like I prepared a set for this. Like it was going to be like the first time, not open and op- like an open mic. I'm going to do this the first, but it just happened to be one of the one of the bits that I still use now. Mm-hmm. So it, it just worked out well that way. Uh, a bunch of people who were, who were really, have really taken the ball and run with it since and have gone pretty far in stand up. Like everybody was in, it. it was like a really good yeah competition and you get up and you're like fourth or fifth somewhere around there. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you get up and you start off your, again, competition. You got four minutes. You got to hit your mark quickly. You got to, everything's got to line up right. Whether you got, you know, no matter what you have. Yeah. It's going to take you a couple seconds just to get on the stage now. Right. So it's already dome rocking, especially for someone like us who's more cerebral and you're thinking, you think of outline everything. Yeah. I, it was going through my head since I broke my toe. I'm like, how am I going to do this? What am I going to talk about? Am I going to remember my set? Yep. Because I'm really bad at, at remembering what I'm going to say. Like, which stories I'm going to tell because I am more of a story killer comic. And so I, I, when it comes to like my set, I didn't want to bring a set list on stage with right. me because I'm only up there for a couple of minutes and it doesn't look professional to me. Uh-huh. You know, even though I have done shows where I'll take my notebook on there on stage with me because it's my, my little security blanket, you know? Um, but, but for right. this, I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to know. And so I kept going over the names of my jokes in my head over and over. And, and then I'm like, how am I going to hobble up on a stage right. with these damn crutches and then hold the microphone? Yeah. And, and, you're, it, oh. and you're right. As far as the set list goes, it's not unprofessional, but it, you've got 12 judges. And if someone's looking for a reason to take a point away, right? why give them that reason? But yeah, you got to be thinking now. At, even as I get off the stage, if it's an awkward transition to the host now, 
Yeah. That could set a weird thing in the judge's brains. Yeah. Uh, so with all those things considered, I'm outside the room uh, in the doorway mm-hmm. and I just kind of lean in a little bit as I hear you hit the stage and you hit to your first joke and do you remember what it was? I said, uh, oh, what did I say? I can. I, I said can, they always... they. I, I, I can said, say this it is if a you le- want. I said, this is a lesbian injury. Yeah, I broke my toe yeah. and this happens to be a lesbian injury. Yeah, they always tell you not to run with scissors, but they never tell you not to run while scissoring. Kaboom. The and the room lost it. just explodes. <laughs> just explodes. And I looked at the guy next to me and I just said, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Because like, I, know, I know you were going to do a really good set and you hit that joke like, yeah, I broke my I broke my toe and this is a lesbian injury. And people laugh, but they don't really know why yet. Right. You know, there's sometimes people just laugh at constructed sentences mm-hmm. and you got to take them home. Yeah. I hurt. I broke my toe. This is a lesbian injury. They tell you not to run with scissors. They never told me not to run while scissoring. Bang. <laughs> and then just the hits kept coming. Yeah. And you went home with the belt. I did. Huge win. I did. And I thought of that like right before the show. Yeah. And by the way, that is what carried like interest in people doing the competition the next year. And I think they did it one more year. Yeah, they did it one more year. year. The year after that is because that was such a big heavy hitter of a night that people from all over different towns started coming out to perform. Yeah. And, uh, well, Bruce did a really good job with, uh, promoting it and, and doing all that. Cause we had the news there. Um, right. And it, it was huge and it was a really good night and it was a legit, like we had a little panel of judges, and, yeah. you know, so people, I think that was one of the things too, that showed the community, like, this is, this is a talent pool. Like we're, you know, we're, we might be small town comics or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of really talented people here right. and it was, it was great to see everyone bring yeah. their best out. And then the next shift, which made me happy because it, it, mm-hmm. It's the thing that disappoints me off the bat, but the the townspeople here and the comics and like you said, Bruce and yourself and everybody who was here to kind of transition it from there to just buying into the scene. Mm -hmm. uh, What what disappointed me at first and even what's going on in the climate now, like competitions, if you if you hang a shingle that there's going to be a competition you'll almost always fill a room for that. Mm -hmm. If you hang a shingle that there's going to be a roast battle People always turn out for that and fill a room. Mm-hmm. And it's because conflict sells. Yeah. And competition sells. People like to turn out knowing that there's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And people like turning out knowing that there's going to be conflict and there's going to be resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, which as a comedy purist bums me out. And it's why I respect the art form of the like the roast battle. But I, I, I'm hesitant about how much it, it's just personally how much it's taken over the mainstream because I wish, like, I wish you 300 people would come out to watch these 12 comedians just do their set because mm-hmm. they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. I wish you didn't, I wish you d- wouldn't only come out because they're going to shit on each other for an hour. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Come, like, come see me and Margaret do our best stuff and leave you with something you can, like, take, not only laugh at, but, like, take for your life. Like, it's going to be something good mm-hmm. instead of, like, oh, you don't want to come out for that. 
well, why don't you just watch us make pricks out of each other for a couple hours and, right. and maybe that'll be good. Yeah. But luckily the town was very supportive that they transitioned from, from coming out for that to now they just come out for all of it. There's a bunch of comedy in town now. Yeah. Well, in that last show that we that you put on um, at Timbler, like the turnouts for that was amazing. They've and you been... didn't promote it like you, I mean, you promoted it, but you didn't you didn't put who was going to be on the show. No. Yeah, Bakersfield just trusted you yeah. and was like, okay, this is going to be a good show. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, that's an amazing place that we've got to here. This town is so cool for things like that. And it's one of the things that if you weren't in the heart of it here, you would never think and you'd never know. And that's, I was just talking with Eddie about this in the last episode is there's something going on here that could really break through. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of if enough people outside lend their ear or if somebody catches, you know, and you've got people doing those things mm-hmm. that are kind of on the verge of that world. And who knows, maybe in a couple of years it happens and someone shines a spotlight on it. It'd be pretty cool. I, you know, I would like to see that, but I also know this group (laughs) and i feel like any outsider looking in Mm -hmm. i think it would have to come from inside out that's a good point so like if bruce or ben even got to a place where they could be like hey there's this really cool thing that's happening in bakersfield they have clout because they were a part of this instead of just an outsider coming in and that's kind of where my my story uh comes from is there was an outsider who is in LA mm-hmm. who performs at um, the comedy store and has his own show there mm. came in and wanted to bring comics from Bakersfield down there to perform on his show at the comedy store. Okay. And that caused such a fucking ruckus. Yeah. At let's, the time. let's get into that because I, I, I had a brief experience with that and I, I kind of, again, introverted for one and just always being skeptical too. Right. Whenever I, I, I always kind of turn those people away at first is I had, when Tembler first started, I had a couple people come up and be like, hey, I, you know, I got my hooks in at the comedy whatever in mm-hmm. San Diego. So if you guys do some good sets tonight, maybe I'll hook you up. And right. I, would, I would go like, oh, cool. We'll check this shit out. And I'd let like, I'd, I'd, I'd stack the deck and I'd go like, all right, sorry. Like I'd ask like, I know you signed up late, but do you mind going up like third or fourth? And I'd put like you and I'd put Alanis and I'd put like bets and I'd put like all and yeah. just make it murderers row. And then I'd, I'd watch you guys go. And then I'd walk up to that person of like, I'm in at all the comedy clubs and I go, Hey, uh, they just went up. I got some time. I can squeeze you in for 10 minutes. You want to go up and do a set now? And without failure, they would all go like, no, no, I'm just going to. I'm just going to check it out. Okay, you're <laughs> fucking right. You're going to check it out because you didn't know you were going to see this up here, did right, you? Right, right. Uh, so sorry. It, so you you had a version of that where uh, somebody was bringing uh, comics in town down to L.A. to do shows there. Yeah. So this guy came in and, and he was wanting to see what we could do so he could bring people down there. So what happened is they put on a show in Taft. Um to yeehaw yeah uh if you listen to boydston's episode you'll hear all about it if you listen to boydston's general demeanor (laughs) if you listen to boydston at all uh you will hear about taft uh so they did the show in taft and he was the headliner and he brought a guy with him Mm -hmm. who was the feature and then um i don't know if i should say say like the yeah who was like involved with all of this uh, i'm not saying his name on okay. purpose but like the local person that was involved i will just I go with local we'll just go with local person okay local person, local person that was number one was like you know asked if i wanted to be a part of this show um 
he was going to basically use it as a tryout to go to the comedy store. Uh-huh. Um, when something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> but again, at the time, I was I was really into it. So it was like, this was just my chance to get on a show. Yep. Um, I happened to be living in Taft at the time with my girlfriend, um, who's now my wife. Yep. Um, Taft Heights, if I remember correctly. Yes, Taft Heights. The fancy part the of The fancy Taft. part of They're Taft. from the upper crust. <laughs> you get the constant breeze. Ew. It's not just, you know people on meth <laughs> yeah it's yeah so i'm like it's a you know it's local for me i don't care that it's late it's not yeah. out of the way whatever and so he stacks the lineup for the show and he was like stack uh, meaning a ton of people meaning it. a ton of people not meaning like the best of the best but but there was a ton of people there and it sure. was and it was diverse and it had voices of all sorts could be a fun night could be a fun night he said that the the place which is like a bar and restaurant thing was going to shut down only let people in that bought tickets <laughs> so it was going to be purely comedy like that kind of thing yeah Okay, okay, okay. I'm just knowing. I'm just knowing Taft in my brain, not <laughs> not being there, but knowing Taft and like I just have the narrator voice. It would not be closed to yeah. the public. And it could be fun. It would not be fun. Yeah. Um. So yeah, in the in the place, probably not the best for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, we did the show, and and we get down there, and there's a ton of people. But the audience isn't really responding. There's no proper stage. We do have a mic and and a speaker. Uh, no proper stage. The lighting, no lighting. Uh, well, when we say speaker, what kind of speaker are we talking one, about? Like one speaker. From like, like, like the size of one of my couch pillows next to you <laughs> to the size of a floor speaker. What are we talking? Uh, a little bit bigger than the pillow. And are we talking an elevated on a stand so it emanates throughout the room, or is it on a bar stool? <laughs> I believe it was on a table. Uh-huh, tabletop. Yeah, I think okay. it was on a tabletop, right next to where you stood in the corner to do your set. And if I remember correctly, you had to stand in the corner because if you walked past the speaker, it would... The feedback would be awful. Yeah. Right. Um, and then there was the a big floor. thing about turning the TVs off because it's a sports bar. Uh-huh. So having to turn the TVs off. And so like there were a, like red flags abound. Red flags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and foreshadowing, which we, w- we won't get into this story, but it was the place where mere weeks later, I believe it was weeks later, uh, one of the comedians in town was brutally assaulted and yeah. it did not, didn't halt the show. <laughs> the person didn't get kicked out. Uh, he, he, you know, he still finished his joke. Like yeah. it, w- it was, it was, th- it's that kind of picture roadhouse, but comedy. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's, it's a rough crowd. Yeah. Uh, everyone, everything's going fine. Um, people are doing their sets. <laughs> it's getting close to the end. I'm supposed to go yeah. and then the feature and then the headliner. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm standing up in the back ish. There's still people behind me because it's a bar. Um, kind of off to the side getting ready uh getting myself ready and i get a text from the local guy and he was like so the feature and the headliner need to be down in la in a couple of hours and mind you we're like an hour and a half two hours away depending on traffic um can they go first or well no what was the first i think when he first asked told me it was basically i was going to get cut from the show oh that was going to be it 
Oh. Um, so this guy wasn't going to get to see me at all, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then they were like, okay, no, you're going to go on. And then it was, okay, well, you can go on after they do their stuff. So this is the first time I've ever heard of somebody being bumped on a show by its headliner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was. So I was I'm like, whatever, whatever the fuck you want me to do. Well, I had friends show up to the show that I didn't know were going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of felt bad if I didn't go on. I imagine somebody was banking that you would have friends <laughs> show up at that show. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that was another thing was um, we got codes to the show to try to like sell tickets. Yeah. And there was supposed to be like a competition between who could sell the most tickets. Hey. And, yeah. It beca- it's like that thing when you tell a kid to do a chore and you're like, I'll time you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. uh, it was oh, like, you set the record. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. Uh, so they finally say okay you can go up after so i'm not a headliner um i have done shows where i was like co-headliner or whatever i was not prepared to go on after two seasoned comics this is very this is very early very this is two years yeah. two, maybe yeah i was i was prepared to do my stuff and get off stage and then for someone else to come in and, and right. do well, their stuff. And even though I know just based on your material and your acumen for this, I know at that point you were ready to headline a show like that there. Mm-hmm. But this is something I was talking about in an earlier episode. Is it two to two and a half years into comedy? I wasn't ready to be told I was doing something different than I was doing that I planned all week to oh, do. Yeah. So like I was on a show where I had to host for this show and the headline like the feature went up and did a really good job and as i was walking on stage the headliner said hey do like five minutes between us and i pissed myself of like what the f-? i didn't plan i right. didn't sit down and, and go over this shit and memorize it for three yeah. hours even though like you can do it i'm still a bit dome rocked by that yeah. so so you're there uh-huh. i'm there and now everything's changing from what it was supposed to be yeah and i'm like fuck like and all your people are there and my people are there like front row mm. my people are there so I'm like, wh- whatever, at this point. Okay. The, um, so how many comics do you think are on the bill? Oh, my God. I like 10, 12? 10, 12. Okay. Yeah. Starts at like 8? Yeah. Okay. And comedy shows never start on time. No, so so it, even later than that. So uh, feature doing 25, headliner doing 45? I think that's what it was supposed to be. Okay. So, so people, had, people had run the light. Oh, shit. Um, so the show had gone on and on. And if I'm remembering correctly... The headliner didn't even go on. I play. I replaced the headliner. Oh. So what happened was the feature went up and did his thing, and he's very high energy, all over the place. He talks very loudly. It's very um, observational humor. It's just very, very different than anything that I do. Right. So he goes and he does his thing and he's funny. Yeah. And he gets his laughs and then it's like, no, here's Margaret Haggard who's going and to very calmly and <laughs> in a low voice talk about tampons. Like it's <laughs> so I'm going to use subtlety in a <sighs> in a bar in Taft after a high energy headliner yeah. who's been doing it long enough to know that he's good. I'm still trying to realize that i'm good like yeah 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 and it was like (laughs) and how long were you supposed to do at this point now? i don't even remember okay it's it's been a couple of years now that this happened yep but i remember just bombing Mm -hmm. like that was one of the worst ones that i remember is just not 
nothing was hitting. There were a couple of giggles at front, like my friends and my my girlfriend were being very generous with the laughing, mm-hmm. but the rest of the people were just done. They were over the show. They didn't want anything to do with it. Um, I didn't have enough of a presence to command the attention yeah. back to me. Uh, people were just done and <laughs> I got like no laughs. I oh, remember no. making one remark right when I got quote unquote on stage about um, the guy that went up before me, the, the feature mm-hmm. about how he didn't know he was gay because he was very, very flamboyant. <laughs> and like, I even thought, Oh, kind of pandering to yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And it just didn't, it didn't fly. And Nothing. I was like, fuck, here how, we go. How many people do you think were in the crowd? Was it like 50 plus? It had to have been. And you have probably 10 people right in the front rows? I only had, I think, four at the show. Okay. Okay. So at, at least at least slight mitigation of, of disaster. But, yeah. But problem number two is not enough people to sway the rest of the crowd. No. And my target, art, audi- my target audience is like older women. Mm-hmm. They love my stuff. Well, people who are l- listening... And thinking and picking up on subtle subtleties and intricacies yeah. and actual craft of the art, like if know. they're paying attention. That's right. Um, but mostly, I I hear from older women. They they really relate to the stuff that I talk about, which right. is fine because I know I'm I'm that's that's what I do. But that group of women happened to be sitting next to my friends already. Mm. So it was like this little <laughs> cluster of of laughs right up front. <laughs> yeah. So I could hear it, but it didn't transfer. Right. So everyone else in the in the bar just was not having it. I just I remember just pushing through everything and trying to get off the, as fast as I could. Uh, Margaret, thank you very much. Good night. I'm gonna go die now. Yeah. Y- you all have a good life, I yeah. guess. It's just sweat <laughs> pouring down like, the back. I'm glad it's not a long way home. I'm just ready and to go cry in the shower. And yeah, you get off stage and does the host take the mic and go like, "All right, show's over." Yeah. And so it. now, and here's here's another aspect that i don't think that we've touched on yet in any of these episodes when you bomb and you're the headliner Mm -hmm. it's not like you bomb when you're if there's 10 comics on the sheet and you bomb at number two Mm -hmm. whether you bomb or crush this is something that was heartbreaking when i first started but it's also very leveling Mm -hmm. whether you crush or bomb at position two the crowd almost completely forgets you by the time the headliner's done. Right. I always said they look at me like a, like when you saw one of your teachers at the mall by the end of the show. Like They thought I was great two hours and ten minutes ago, but when they see me after the show, they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, right. they, like yeah. They're almost surprised that I'm still around. Yeah. But when you close out the show and you bomb or it doesn't go the way you want it to, you are now confronted by the entire crowd immediately after what you didn't want to happen happened. Yeah, I didn't have time to like run away or hide or just be done. Yeah. I was literally still up front. At least athletes in their worst moment get to shower and come out to a booth. <laughs> You're immediately in the post-fight press conference after taking a beating on stage if you're the headliner. Yeah. Did yeah. anybody come up to you afterwards or were they... I don't think so. I, okay, I think it was just like said goodbye to my friends and just grabbed my girlfriend and was like, let's go home. Let's get out of here. I'm done with this. And from from that venue in Taft to Taft Heights is like four miles. Yeah. It's not far. <laughs> yeah. But how long did that ride feel? <laughs> <laughs> it, felt, it, it felt long. It did. It That's... felt really long. And 
consolation prize, I did end up getting to go to the comedy store because he felt so bad. Oh, good. For what happened. Yeah. So Be- because this guy, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, very good guy. Oh yeah. It's just they do things differently in Los Angeles. They do. And and if we started there, maybe we'd do things that way, but mm-hmm. we didn't. So yeah. it, it's natural headbutting at first, followed by a kind of appreciation. Yeah. Uh, and so when you got welcomed down to the comedy store, how did that go? It went okay. okay. Uh, I've had better sets. I've had worse sets. So it was, it was lackluster for uh-huh. my for my comedy store debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still a really cool experience. I had more fun hanging out backstage. than i did oh i bet than i did on stage and also now you know that there are so few people who have gotten that kind of experience Mm -hmm. and you got that out of the way like two years into comedy it's pretty cool right and so now the next time you get on the comedy store stage when the moment counts you're already kind of home you've been you've been there before right like i just went to I went to a venue up in Fresno this past week and the crowd wasn't as wasn't as big as it normally would be. But I was lucky that like a year and a half ago, I just happened to perform there. And mm-hmm. I was kind of uncomfortable that night, but, you know, got through it and whatever. Yeah. But when I walked in, I was like, I don't feel I've already been there. I already know what chair I'm going to be in. Yeah. I already know where the lights coming from. I already know everything about the stage and the mic. And the general crowd that comes out, mm-hmm. I know what kind of town this is and yeah. the clientele that comes out. So like now when you go up there and the moment matters, not a booked reserved show, but if you ever go there and you like, it's time audition time right. or competition time, or you'll be able to hit the, your, whatever your version of the running with scissors joke is right? because you're home. Yeah. So that it is. It and that, up, did, that had to have helped at Rocket Shop. Because oh, that was, yeah. you know, that was our open mic at the time. That was the biggest one. And and so it was. It was home to a lot of people who were comfortable there. We knew what the lights felt like. We knew how far into the audience we could see. We knew, you know, the stage right. creaks if you go too far over into this section. You right. know, it's it does. It helps if you've been there before. You know all the dead spots on yeah. the floor. Yeah. And that's right. And it helps with your discomfort because even if you're a little rattled, you get up in front of that crowd and you're like, things aren't, conditions aren't ideal for what I normally do. But you're in my house, bitch. Yeah. Like, sit tight. Like, I'm home right it's now. It's kind of so like muscle memory. It's, exactly. you know. Yeah. Exactly. You just go through the motions and you're like, oh, no. That's it's, one less thing to worry about when you're up there. Yeah. It's funny. We have some parallels in, in like, my worst bomb. I, I God, hope to God you weren't there. I feel like everyone who's ever existed <laughs> was there, even though they weren't, was actually, like, four miles away from here. Yeah. It was right down the street at the Doubletree Hotel. I don't think I was there. Oh, thank God. (laughs) And I was closing out the show. Mm -hmm. And the person who went up before me uh, wasn't scheduled on the bill to be on the show. But as it goes, like three or four people get added to shows quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And that's what happened here. And by the time this person went up, it was like quarter after 10, 1030 at night. And this person is is on the extreme high energy, like just high energy through the roof and has a following of like 30, 40 people that always come out uh, and just went like a tornado for about 25 yeah. to 30 minutes. Of just, Same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just rip roar, like just, just, I mean, jumping on literally oh, physical. Yeah. Literally jumped on the speaker, literally did like pratfalls, all this shit. And at this point, I'm two years in mm-hmm. and I'm still, I'm, I'll never be the runaround guy. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm also not the guy 
who can who can meet that energy right. i know how to follow that now right i know how to project myself now i know how to connect to a crowd for what i do mm-hmm. whether they're whether they want low energy or high energy now i didn't then or even having the thought to get up there and be like you're not going to see that shit again exactly like i am not that kind of comic and it disarms the audience and they kind of reset and then you're fine exactly so but like yeah two years in you don't know to do that none of that and and everybody kind of knew it was coming because when they found out this person was on the show they're like god i don't want to follow i don't want to follow but me i'm like i want to do this for a living so i'm thinking like well just put them before me and if I can't follow it, I know I need work to do. Right. I needed work to do. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I went up afterwards and uh, it was about <laughs> about five after 11 at night. Mm-hmm. Show was scheduled to start at like eight. So we're like we're over three hours in and I'm I, this is like close out set. This uh-huh. is like 45 minute set. Yeah. I get up and again, just like you said, they're going to have to rely on language subtlety and callbacks and like yeah. like craft type shit. Yeah. I get up and they're dead. Like they've just been dismantled. And as I get up, the DJ decides to walk back to his post and trips over me, like like between <laughs> me and the crowd. And like, it's just kind of like a, <gasps> like he almost went down. And I try to make like a wisecrack about that. And it just doesn't really go anywhere. And then I try to make a comment about what just happened. But I wasn't present in the moment enough because I wasn't comfortable to like, like you said, to just go, you're not getting that shit. Yeah. I, I just kind of like zipping around the room. And like, yeah. And then I tell my first joke, nothing. Second joke, nothing. Third joke, nothing. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do my closer. Mm-hmm. And I hit like my best joke at the time and as i hit that punchline, there's like three people in the crowd that are like eh. <laughs> and now i've got 41 minutes left to go <laughs> and i did them well. and just just died just died to death but i'll i'll tell you what really did help me out is that comic who like the high energy comic mm-hmm. i'll never forget him for this either he sat like two rows back in the audience and the one person who was laughing for 30 of my 45 minutes was that guy yeah and it was just enough for me being that naive and novice to comedy that i didn't that i didn't that was enough to make me not project what had just happened to me onto him and, mm-hmm. and not learn something mm-hmm. because he was like supportive and cool. So I was like, it felt like a buddy. And I was like, all right, I just got to figure out how to like how to crack that Rubik's Cube. Yeah. It's like that's no one was a dick. It wasn't like, you know, there was no malice. It's just part of this. Mm-hmm. And so like that really helped or otherwise, if I could have done anything to just eat it and throw it out on someone else, I would have. Yeah. But yeah, it was just one of those. And it wound up, you know, helping out down the road of like, right. and, and it's one of those, well, it can't get worse than this. Yeah. So well, I'm good. Yeah. And, and you don't know it at the time, but these are, these are the things that you're not going to learn from a book or practicing right. in your room and things like that. You have to do these shitty shows. Exactly. Sometimes just to get that experience and know, oh, okay, next time I'm going to do this. Right. And it's so much more interesting going through these. Like how boring would it be if just went okay? Yeah all the time yeah like, it's fun for us because we've had five years of these and just brings me to one like touch point uh speaking of weirdness yeah uh we are uh irish heritage club 
veterans. Mm-hmm. You were an inaugural. You yeah. were an inaugural member, Irish Heritage Club Comedy. Um, the That business had closed down, and then we moved into what makes... what make When I explain the path of comedy and the journey of where this scene has come, this part makes crowds laugh just the word. There's no joke. <laughs> I didn't have to do any work on it. Uh, there was a period of about a year and a half where we were performing at... At the mortuary. At the mortuary, a yeah. funeral home. Yeah. And what I tell crowds, and it's true, it's just true. As I say, we used to, we, we've done shows at funeral homes, and they'll kind of giggle and I'll clarify. And it was one of the better shows. Oh, yeah. Fantastic show. Yeah. It so was amazing. I, I'll clarify to the crowd. Like, it's not like we did the funeral home, and if that went well, we do the Fox. Yeah. We did Taft and Martinis. And because we didn't get shot, we got to do the funeral. (laughs) (laughs) I never did martinis. I hear you guys talk about that. And I'm like, there's no fucking way. There's one now that you guys do that's some random bar Mm. that's an open mic. I don't know if I've... Oh, that's over now. That's over. (laughs) That lasted, (laughs) what, a week and Uh, a half? Yeah, about a month and a half. uh, Went through a date change and then almost an immediate cancellation. Yeah, that's... and And it's one of those things, though, because I'm one of the only women in in comedy here and i would never go to a place like that at night no and you guys are like i might get stabbed right yeah so whatever and it's only from being through martinis long enough that we used to go through those and be like yeah but you kind of need this but then three or four weeks of that you go no we don't need this you don't need it no we don't we don't need this at all (laughs) and you're right and and one of the things i'm happy about recently is that the group is starting to diversify a little bit more on that front because for the longest time you were about the only woman in the group doing stand-up yeah and that's a bummer it's just to not have more of it yeah but now we've got so we've got jessica Mm -hmm. de la garza in the group we just had Alyssa suggs join us Mm -hmm. uh and because there's more people like you know a crowd begets a crowd so now we've got like darling hernandez and bb queen so now on open mics there could be like six to eight uh women in the group where four years ago you i, I you couldn't no i don't know how far i would have had to have driven to have found that yeah so it's finally yeah. and that, you know that's the work that you guys put in and probably because of things like that is is someone going like oh jesus christ a rocket shop when i just drove by to get here i'm not gonna go there but they show up and they're like this okay margaret's here so someone's done this before yeah and and that's enough to just get you through another six weeks right and if you get through six weeks you know you're good <laughs> but speaking uh, back to the funeral home uh the green room which was the only time we had one <laughs> it was we had a green room we had a mini bar mm-hmm. uh we had snacks cookies and it was amazing our own entrance like but the green room. <laughs> what, what? There were also a lot of tissues present. Because Seriously, because <laughs> it's the grieving room. It's the grieving room. When you lose your mamam or pop up, <laughs> like hours before, dear old peepaw. Hours before we were ruminating about our the, what we were going to tell a crowd about our private parts. <laughs> hours before that, someone was was crying through the death of a loved one yeah. on that very couch. Yeah. Where um I found some balled up dirty tissues mm-hmm. on that couch. That's right. And of we, a grieving widow, I'm sure. And, and <laughs> <laughs> there was we did a Halloween party one time. <laughs> I was I don't I was dressed as LL Cool J in a grieving room <laughs> at one point. I was point. like I don't know what I was. 
beautiful. Okay. That's what that's you what know, you were. That's every day, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's what like. And I remember Bruce, and he didn't give me a good laugh on this, but I thought it was. I thought he, he didn't give me enough credit for it because he texted me and said, "Oh, you guys are performing where I forget it was his pop or his uncle." Uh, yeah. His funeral was uh, like. Thanks a lot, you horrible people, or something <laughs> like that. And Bruce is a great friend of us and a great comic too. Yeah. So it's it's there's a frequency in language that comics can say to each other that you may not be able to just. So I knew he'd be on board with it. So halfway through the show, I just texted him and I said, "Hey, we're here." Uh, and your grandfather says, "Boo." <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't give, he wasn't offended, but he just didn't give me much on it. I right. know it was hacky, but yeah. it's conver- conversational. Like yeah, conversation. <laughs> that's right. Conversational hack is totally acceptable as long oh, as yeah. it's not on stage. Yeah. But yeah, we did the mortuary, and we had a motley crew that would come out to see those. Yeah, good Amazing. shows. Do you remember the Scottish guy that used to come out? Yes. He had the strongest handshake I've ever felt <laughs> in my life. He hugged me one time and he gave me a pat on the back and he almost sent my shoulder blade through my chest. And he was like an older guy. He's like, an older guy, but tough he was time getting solid. around. Yeah. And my God, though, yeah. he, like he could rip a tree out of the ground. Pro- probably he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do the Scott, you know, like he just, and then he, and then he launched it That's backwards right. over his shoulders. Must have. Yeah. Like a human, like a real life Shrek. <laughs> yes. Like he was. Do you remember uh, where the stage, which is always the floor, was? Uh, do you remember where the stage was? Uh, where the casket goes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right up front. So on either side of us are the the flowers <laughs> of whatever funeral mm-hmm. had just gone on. And the crowd sat in the pews. They sat in the pews. I mean, if you just... Our entrance was down the walkway. That's right. There, there was a bar, allegedly. People brought people brought booze. Let's yeah, say, yeah. allegedly, just imagine if one service ran late or someone came early, f- like for the like if either a service ran late that we didn't know about, uh-huh. and we show the whole thing showed up and they found out there was going to be a comedy show yeah. in ninety minutes where the worst thing of their life just happened, right? Or if one of us got mixed up and there's a funeral procession about to leave and they just see a guy dressed like 1984 LL Cool J walk in. <laughs> and in a great mood. Like in a great ready mood. Ready to just... And owning it. Like yeah. non-ironically, like no, like just looks like that's what belongs yeah. in there. Yeah. I don't know. That's his That show wasn't very advertised. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if they wanted that <laughs> out there that they were doing. Uh, so, so last thing I thought of touching on, if, if you don't, mind discussing it speaking of like new things and running shows and dipping a hand in los angeles uh one of your jobs now is a very unique thing that you're involved in for whatever you want to discuss or yeah no discuss on it uh so as of this year um full-time in the comedy industry um I am the director of marketing for Comedy Juice, mm-hmm. and we produce shows out of uh, Hollywood Improv, Irvine Improv, Gotham, in New York, uh, Governors in Long Island. We go up and we do Parlor Live in Seattle and, and all over the place yeah. uh, for these shows. And so I'm the director of marketing for that, and then I work for a comedian. Yeah, uh, all and all, like you said, shows all across the country. Yeah. And just like putting a... One of the things that you you do just because you love this and, mm-hmm. and different art forms 
if I'm not mistaken, is kind of how you had gotten into this is you were part of, you know, you'd done comedy and theater and you'd also joined some writing groups and so, yeah. and which led to like, like, a, a almost a Craigslisty and uh, job opportunities, uh, Facebook page. Yeah. And this thing came up that there's a chance at an opportunity for some, you know, for some administrative work for some of these shows and you found it and like what was the path there? it was a ran- it was a random post and i wasn't looking for a job but it was it's um there's a facebook group for just comedy jobs mm-hmm. and um so i would look on there i've got random skills i can do a little bit of photoshop i can do you know i've i've, I've done photography and i can do a little bit you and, did and you've and ta- you taught me the law of thirds it's yeah the, <laughs> it's the only thing i know about photography <laughs> but it makes people 20 feet away think i know something about photography so thank right. you. oh you're welcome um you know, I've kind of dabbled in all this stuff so I can use that. Like, you know, and one and one thing that that got me this job um, is my love for Excel, for, for Microsoft Excel and mm-hmm. spreadsheets. I and excel at Excel. I do excel at Excel. There are very few people who excel at Excel. I freaking love Excel. I took an intensive course in college <laughs> on Excel and Access. Uh-huh. And what I remember from that is to hit the equal sign and click two cells and add them together or subtract them. And that's it. Uh, if you're clicking in Excel, God you're doing it. something wrong. God damn it. <laughs> I thought the one thing I was doing right in it. So you crush Excel. And yeah. so you went from this, like, and, and it was a, a limited opportunity. Yeah, it was part time. I was only, I was doing a couple hours a week, if that, um, in the beginning. And it, it just kind of snowballed from there. And I, um, in the matter of a year. Yeah. And you didn't take it with ambitions of, I'm going to take this thing over. No. You just took it of, this is what I love. I get to work part time and the thing, and I know you were working like another job or two at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, I was, I was full time working full time. Like if it wasn't your, job. yeah, if it wasn't your passion, this would have been a burden. Yeah. It was a lot of extra time. Yeah. And for it, what seemed like not a huge payoff. No, but, I mean, I wasn't making a ton of money or anything, the, yeah. but the money, it wasn't about that. It was being able to see the other side of things. And I think, and that's, that kind of comes full circle because I think that's why I got involved with theater because I like seeing the other sides of things. I like seeing how things work. And that was this job. Like I got to see behind the scenes of producing a show at yeah. um, different comedy clubs. Yeah. So, I mean, we were at that time we were at the laugh factory. So it was like getting to know all of those people and, and being in contact with them and right. then talking to industry people. And, and yeah. when I'm talking industry, I mean like execs at like ABC and things like that, that, you know, you don't think about like how accessible these people are sometimes but when you when you're in a in a job like this like all of a sudden this world like opens up to you and it's crazy now i've seen behind the scenes how that stuff runs and you know i'm i'm hoping that i can apply that of course elsewhere yeah and in the matter of just a year all that stuff has opened up Mm -hmm. and who knows in the next year what that's going to lead to or who knows when you want to shoot your shot as they say just how much information that you're armed with mm-hmm. and how many resources that you now have. And yeah. just from that little take it and run with it kind of thing, it's really cool yeah. to see where it's come from here. And, and it sounds to me like you've, like I, I know you're modest, but you've played a pivotal role in building the business of it. Like you said, you were at like a comedy club or two mm-hmm. and it sounds like you guys are at like eight to 10 to 12 across the country. Yeah, we're, we're trying to really expand and, and make a name for ourselves. Like we want, we want everyone to know Comedy Juice. I know how hard it is to book a room that I can roll out of bed and land in once every three months mm. for a real show. 
what's it like trying to book a show routinely 3,000 miles away from you? <laughs> um, so in the beginning, I was I was booking the shows. Trying to coordinate comedians yeah. is difficult. Yes. Um, we're, yeah, we're not <laughs> we're, we're not a very we're not a very you know punctual or reachable bunch by nature. Right. That's what gets them into that. Yeah. Uh, my boss is like the hard work, hardest working guy in comedy, and and a lot of people have said that. I'm not the first one to say that yep. at all. Um, very very smart guy. He he also is a fan of like Excel and data and and using. <laughs> you know work smarter not harder and it's of kind of the same thing like think about things that you can build and make your life easier mm -hmm. so if it wasn't for him and the fact that he built the back end of his website to make this easy for comedians to go in they get a link mm -hmm. to put in their availability on whatever days we have shows wow. so we can go in there and see who's available for those days and just be like you know what that person hasn't been on the show in a while oh that person uh just had a viral tweet we're going to see if they're available, right. like that kind of thing. And so that definitely helped with booking those shows. But yeah. again, you know, you're dealing with people's touring schedules and, and filming schedules. And and it can change any minute. It can change any minute. Yeah, Because so. if you yeah, if you have somebody that's booked to do Gotham, but then they go, hey, I just got booked on a Showtime sitcom. I got to I got to be, you know, I got to be in L.A. and I can't. This could be my career. Right. You got to shift around. it. Yeah. Then, you know, you got to figure it out. And sometimes we're still figuring out day of because we've had people drop in or we have people like show up and mm -hmm. like, so we have the improv telling us, okay, so-and-so wants to drop in tonight. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, we already got a packed lineup. How are we going to rearrange things? Yeah. Like the other night, Ali Wong dropped in. Oh, wow. Like huge. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and we hadn't even advertised her or anything because we didn't know until day of. And then our, our booker was like, so, right. you know, Ali's going to do the show. And so we were kind of like, Okay, how are we gonna rearrange things? Yeah. But we can't advertise her, so she's just gonna she's just gonna come on and, and do her thing. So I right. I'm actually I'm glad that I'm out of the booking That's good section of it. We have two fantastic bookers oh, that work for us, Chris Melhouse and Christopher Burns. They probably will never listen to this, but I wanted to give them a <laughs> shout out anyway. Um so they handle they handle all of that and then they turn to me to to promote and to send out our mailing lists and tweet and all that good which stuff. is a whole other art form in itself is to figure out how to reach people yeah because once you start once you start to reach people and you deliver it makes it much easier but those first couple times was there somebody in your role before you jumped in it there was um the company was actually uh so comedy juice was bought by the comedian that i work for i see um so when he when he took it over the the roles that had been in place shifted over and so he brought me on to replace someone that's pretty amazing for for him to be able to yeah step in and take a take a chance like yeah that. yeah he took it over and he knew he could grow it um just based on the audiences that he's built up right um not just for himself but his other shows like yeah. we have you know we have a ton of contacts like email contacts and and that's one thing people overlook too like if you want to turn this into an advice podcast about yeah, yeah. Things, that's, yeah that's a that's a big part of it when you're doing shows get people's emails Mm -hmm. email is going to be the best way to contact people and to get people to show up. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's social media. They think it's Facebook. They think it's Instagram. They think it's Twitter. It's not. Yeah. Send them an email. Make sure that they're, they want to sign up for this. If they like what you're sending to them and make sure it's not all the time, they're going to show up. They're going to click on those links. They're going to 
you know, they're going to sign up for the guest list. They're going to sign up for tickets, whatever it is. Any any pitfalls to avoid when emailing people? Um, don't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you've proofread it. Um, and I've got one that I screwed up personally once in my email list. Oh, did you send it to everyone? Like BCC. Oh, yes. If, <laughs> if you're sending out a mass. It's free to sign up for MailChimp if it's under so many people on your okay. contact list. That way, you're there. Everyone's getting an individual email. There's yes. no way to accidentally do that I, and just show everyone everyone else's emails. Before I learned the little BCC rule, I just I just sent an email to I mean hundreds of people. Which is annoying off the jump, but then every time someone replied... They replied all. They replied to everyone, and I was <laughs> roundly hated by <laughs> everyone on that list. For How many emails did you get to just say unsubscribe? Take, yeah, uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a list now. There's no... Yeah. Everyone wanted to be removed. Exactly. Um, now that you've done, like, you've done those sides, not, so you performer... And then you've done booking, and now you've also done uh, heavily focus on marketing. marketing yeah. um, are there any like anything else constructive that, like that you would have never thought of that would be like, hey, don't do that, or or do this little adjustment that could make you so much easier to work with and easier to book or to promote? Because I see so many on both sides. I see I have a very small taste of the booking and promoting aspect. And I, I know kind of what I didn't originally realize would either get on a, a booker or marketer's nerves um, or just didn't know how I could help make their lives easier. But I also see I see comedians falling into those. And then I also see a lot of comics who could have big could and should have big followings having to paper rooms because they don't seem to be hitting the nail when it comes to the marketing aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest things. Uh, that's hard for me because I am creating all of the like posters, flyers, like that kind of stuff that mm-hmm. goes online. Um, have a goddamn headshot. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you had someone take a picture of you outside at a park with portrait mode on your iPhone. Take a goddamn headshot. Some. I don't want to see your selfies filtered through Instagram. <laughs> if I, if you're a comedian and I'm putting you on a show and I'm putting you on a flyer and I want to have your face, I need a clear picture of your face. And I don't need stupid cropping. That's the other thing about headshots that just just irk me to no end is Mm -hmm. they'll put them off. So they'll take rule of thirds... But they'll they'll oh. do it <laughs> they'll do it to the extreme. Yes. So they'll end up cutting off like the top of the head and like the side. No, I need to, I need enough room because yeah. the way that I do posters is we use circles because we're comedy juice. Our logo That's is right. like it looks like an orange and an orange juice that kind of stuff. Okay. So I use circles in our flyer to mimic the orange. I see. If I cannot fit your head in that circle, we have a problem. Yeah. Because. Of the way that the cropping is. So by get me a headshot, you mean literally take a picture of your head. Yes. I need a picture of your head. Yes. Not you sitting on a picnic bench, looking into the distance, being very, you know, very, you know, pondering. Yeah. Or, but but not helpful. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Or pictures of you with other people or, you know, whatever it may be. And if you have several pictures of yourself, if you happen to Google yourself or have some, one of your friends Google you or do it on incognito or whatever it is, and your images come up 
and you don't like any of those images, give me the picture you want to use. Yeah. Don't bitch about it when I post your picture up on Twitter and then all of a sudden, well, I don't like that picture. And it's it's that kind of vicious circle thing is is if probably, I would imagine, if you got signed by an agency, one of the first things they would do is send you to do all this shit. That you would think. But in order to attract that type of representation, you probably already need to have it. Fake it till you make yes. it. <laughs> They're not expensive. Yeah. Um, just the, you've got to know someone that's good with a camera. Yeah. You know, it's just do it. Just take a headshot. Yeah. If you have a website, it's cool. You know, yeah. it makes you a little more legit, whatever it is. If you're camera shy, just stomach it. it you know, it. it's part of it. You're in the entertainment industry have a bio you're yeah that you can send you, yeah you want a bio too especially mm-hmm. because if people that are going to a show and say there's only a couple people on the ticket yeah you know they want to know who they're signing up for right you know and if you don't know how to write a bio google it figure it out like and that's the thing like a lot of people that i see that have so much potential are just not willing to put in the legwork right and to do all that back uh, stuff the administrative stuff which needs to be done you are your own business oftentimes it's the extremely oftentimes the extremely talented just have an aversion to those things like Mm -hmm. i there's a comic who came to perform at uh tembler and is one of the best comics i've ever seen uh nobody would know the person uh like in the mainstream Uh, i imagine someday they probably will but there's a chance that it happens like three to five years later than it should <laughs> because this person has that natural aversion to any like headshots like you when the when this person saw their headshot i could tell it was the first time they had seen it like someone had to take oh, their wow. like pick like and they're like upset by it which everyone i get that like i can't listen to my recordings i can't look at my like i struggle with that i'm yeah. you probably struggle with it too oh, yeah but you just got to stomach it and get through it and like this person for as good as they i watched them perform to tens of people like less than 50 mm-hmm. people and rock that room in Tembler, which is not an easy room even when it's full right let alone when it's empty and give a tremendous show as well if not better than anybody i've ever seen mm-hmm. uh didn't have a website didn't have you know didn't have the no stuff presence online at all yeah which i can identify with because those I'm allergic to those things by nature, mm-hmm. but you do have to understand. You got to also understand that if you're going to develop a following, you've got to give people an avenue and a reason to like, I'd love to, I'd love to do the Dave Chappelle thing and not have a Facebook, not have a Twitter, not have an Instagram, just show up somewhere in Cincinnati and perform. Mm-hmm. But unless you're Dave Chappelle, you can't do that. And until Dave, mailing list. and until Dave Chappelle was Dave Chappelle, he was around. Right. He was singing for his dinner as well. Yeah. So as as tough as it is, yeah, just gotta do it. That are like okay. So a, a lot of comics that I've seen are social beings too, and you you talk to your buddies and things like that. There are people that are good at that, mm-hmm. and people who want to see you ex- succeed. And like I've told some other comics, like before, offering to do things, oh, and that's good. Let me help you because these are things that I that I enjoy doing. I enjoy building websites. Yeah. I enjoy taking headshots. I enjoy those 
other aspects of comedy too just reach out and and find someone that will do this stuff for you at least help you get on the right foot like set up your instagram account which you finally did a couple of weeks <laughs> yeah. ago. i did and boy I str- oh boy i should have taken your username a while ago it was just, just let to you make me buy do it, it back <laughs> it boy it was it was a tough it was a tough day. I, kn- I knew it hurt when you did it. Mm, because I do have that natural aversion. And this this is me. This is a coaching session for me more than anybody. Yeah. Uh, something that nobody knows is I have made a shell of a website uh, that I'll, I'll send your way that you can you can point me yeah, in the me, right direction. Let me on. look but at it. That's one of the things is now like coming up on five years. If you want to be a professional take the professional approach and have these things as much as I hate having an Instagram mm-hmm. and hate like having a website of like, Oh God, what makes me think I should have a website? Yeah. You, you need to, you need to have that stuff. So I've put the focus like ordering all this shit. Normally th- this never would have happened to yeah. figure out w- what to do with it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm learning as much as anybody listening to this, Who's who's following the, the comedy lifestyle is is learning as well. Yeah, and I, I we laughed about that. I for when I got the Instagram because you knew that. Oh yeah, that's pain in my belly. Yeah, it had to have been painful. I posted something on it today, and I just wanted to cry. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I will say as an admission, I it's Instagram's cool. <laughs> Instagram's cool. You heard it here first. It is. I'm still an old man on it though. Like I yeah. I just learned. I don't really, I don't really know how to use the messaging on it. Like the, like, I don't, yeah. And then, uh, I thought that, I thought that I was, I thought that I was following a person like, or, or a city account of uh-huh. Bakersfield. I didn't realize it was like just a hashtag. Some people <laughs> hashtag it. You just get those things. So every time. <laughs> I, for like three weeks, I would just like, I would see some cool stuff on the Bakersfield page and i'd be like yeah i like that just give some support to bakersfield uh-huh. the bakersfield page and then i'd see a meme that was kind of like like racist and i'd be like well that doesn't seem doesn't seem <laughs> so like it would official. be on a city page and yesterday i realized oh god that hashtag i'm following a hashtag and i'm an idiot you'll learn i'll learn <laughs> only 2018 coming up on 2019 yeah. I'll, I'll catch up with the yeah. times eventually. yeah by the time you catch up there'll be something new that's exactly right yeah is there a new thing that i'm missing on right now that you're already involved in uh, you know what like i just read an article about tiktok God it, damn that's it. the newest the newest thing it's always what's that I, it's you know it's okay good if you don't know it yet i still don't have to know for like two years <laughs> <laughs> i'll let you know when it comes around a little more yeah this is awesome do you have any any anything else you wanted to touch on any other stories i'm really glad that this went well because i have been on another comedy podcast that never got released okay actually two of them because okay. the first one went so horribly they had me back to do a second one neither one has been released because shortly after that they stopped doing the podcast completely why did it go horribly <laughs> the first one so it's comedian guys they're not they're not in bakersfield anymore and they uh-huh. were doing a podcast together and they wanted to have me on I know <laughs> you know exactly no, I, I, yeah i do but i know <laughs> i know what else i want to talk about uh, a part of an irish heritage club show okay um so these guys they were like you know we want you to be on the podcast i said great because i'm a comedian of course i want to do your podcast um they uh they were like let's go have dinner first and then we'll go meet up um at the house and we'll do this podcast it's like awesome so we went and had dinner it was a great time right Mm -hmm. well as we were leaving and we're getting ready to pay our tickets 
two of the guys start ganging up on one of the guys because his shoes, he had just gotten off work and his work shoes were so like just torn apart, too big for his feet, just God awful shoes. And they're ragging on him hard because that's what you do. Comedians do. Mm -hmm. Well, he gets like super personally offended Mm -hmm. because he doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, He just got this job. You know, you're supposed to dress business, but this was the only shoes that he had. Like, and so he, he gets, he gets really hurt over this. Oh no. So I'm on the mics. No, this is before we even get there. Oh no. So we get to the house to report, record the podcast and they're still going at it because they're, they don't understand like <laughs> like no he's really upset about this so he starts pouring himself drinks and proceeds to get drunk while we are recording this podcast yeah. and then he finally breaks down and tells them this is why this upset me so much and then they spend the next like hour and a half apologizing and they're just talking about their feelings i felt like i was a psychologist mm. and i was just there to mediate between them oh my god it was it was awful so they had me back (laughs) (laughs) and did they tell you like we're just not going to release this or did they go like uh so we lost the we lost no not even it wasn't even anything it was like you know we've got a schedule or whatever and there's there's a couple before that or (laughs) or whatever it was and so when they had me back they, they did it because it was my my second show, they decided they bought him some shoes to make up for the fact that they had ragged on him because so hard. Because what are the odds that would go poorly? <laughs> and, and, you know, it actually went really well and it was oh. kind of sweet. So oh. at least there was that. And then they finally got to, like, ask me questions and we talked about comedy and stuff. But, again, but neither one, one. Neither one of them was released. I would love to hear both of those episodes just to see. Oh, my God. I think I know who those people are. Yeah. But I'm not. I mean, we got a lot of sensitive there's some sensitive <laughs> we got a lot of sensitive honeys in the group <laughs> man that's a that's a good podcast story though yeah I, that's the first podcast i ever did just went so poorly in the room that we never released it and i was glad for really that. yeah it was just it was just a disaster this was this was four years ago so yeah you, so you definitely know who that was <laughs> <laughs> and we just didn't really have anything to talk about at no. that point it just kind of you gotta have a vision you can't just get on the mics and not yeah have like a goal or something to talk about and then joe and i did a podcast for a while but it sounded like we were in in a wind tunnel <laughs> while we were doing it because we had Your no simply Id- comedy one right simply comedy one we we had no idea how microphones worked uh, and i plugged them into my computer and we used them for three episodes before we realized that we weren't using those mics we were using my uh my HP computer's <laughs> internal <laughs> microphones. Like, why the fuck is this so... The quality is amazing. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, and then, as you know, I tried to do a little video thing, but still didn't know how sound works. Yeah. think I got that one together now, but tune in later to see that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good podcast. Exp- so this is your third podcast that uh, you've been on? Yeah, this is the third this podcast. Is, and I technically the first Second podcast. Second show, first, like real one i i hope you release this if you're uh, like you know what i'm just gonna be like (laughs) i took your podcast virginity you did i was your first yes this is your first time yes was i gentle you were very nice i'll call you tomorrow i promise okay you better we're gonna you gotta come back and and do this quite a bit if you would yeah let me know man 
This is awesome. Any anything else uh, for your end? That was okay. it. The you know that I could think of that, but yeah, that podcast thing. I, <laughs> <laughs> it was awkward. And then oh, another part of that too, is that it starts getting dark outside mm-hmm. because that's what happens in the daytime sure. after dinner. It starts to get dark. When we started the podcast, it was still bright outside, so we didn't have any lights on. <laughs> so then so these three guys are just dealing with their emotional baggage and it's getting darker and darker and darker in the room and <laughs> no one is turning on a light literally and figuratively and i just want to like crawl out from the table and yeah. leave just do that 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 gif of homer simpson going inside yeah, just, the shrubs yeah just backing oh my. up that's the one last thing I wanted to talk about is speaking of Irish Heritage Club, speaking of things going awry before they even get started. One of my favorite people on earth, Filthy Phil Kemp, <laughs> had a knack at the Irish Heritage Club for doing something right at the beginning mm-hmm. that didn't wasn't going to work out. Uh, for It would bury his own set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know why it happened specifically at Irish Heritage Club, but specifically at Irish Heritage Club. You were on top of the audience. That's right. The, you and were there was, right there. They were all, they're all right there. And so one time, uh, before the one that, the main one, one time <laughs> there was a plate of brownies next to the stage, which is the floor. It was on like this little counter kind of thing. And Phil does these songs uh, and also does like kind of one-liners between the songs. Well, on this particular night, he wasn't doing songs. He was only doing one-liners. And for whatever reason, to be funny, he decided to like to start his set by eating like four brownies. Oh, my God, yeah. So he jammed four brownies into his mouth, and he's trying to talk, and he can't. And so he's like, all right, well, I'll wash this down, and takes a big swig of Guinness, which only thickens the brownie in his mouth. <laughs> right, yeah. And he had to do 15 minutes. Basically, like if you basically if you took your hand towel where like when you wash your hands in your bathroom and you dry off your hands, if you balled that up and put it in your mouth and fit the whole thing in there and then tried to tell Seinfeldian jokes for 15 <laughs> minutes uh, was one of them. And then the other one, do you remember the one that I'm thinking of? The one where he insulted my mother. The one where he insulted <laughs> the mayor. <laughs> Of the Irish Heritage Club <laughs> to begin his set. like And sometimes this was off the heels of Martinis. We just finished being at Martinis uh-huh. where the only thing that worked was mercilessly making fun of the crowd. Oh, okay. So a little background on like that was the only thing that they would listen to. They mm-hmm. might kill you, but at least they'd listen and laugh. Right. So right off the heels of that, we go to this Irish Heritage Club and it's like one of our first shows after that, I think. And so Phil gets up. And he, there's a story in the news about a, a woman in Kentucky, I think it was Kentucky. I think so. Who wouldn't sign a marriage certificate for yeah, a gay couple. Yeah, she actually just lost her bid for re-election. That was a big thing in the news this year. Oh, just now. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So this story had just happened. Mm-hmm. She, had, she had gotten either arrested or like whatever happened for yeah. refusing to sign the marriage certificate. And for whatever reason, like to... to just kind of soften the crowd phil decides to go into the crowd and points to this woman who doesn't but he thought looked like this woman my mom has longer hair and glasses and glasses and that's about it that's about it that's that's about the comparison that was the resemblance but sometimes in comedy that's enough right if he was just grabbing at a branch at this point he didn't need to grab at a branch he was just starting yeah 
But considering the whole brownie thing, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, oh, we have whatever her name is in the crowd tonight and points to the most popular person in the history <laughs> of the Irish Heritage Club who has a daughter on the show <laughs> who is gay. Yeah. Could not be a worse thing to start your set with. Yeah. Like she, like call the woman who wouldn't sign a marriage certificate for a gay couple. Mm -hmm. There couldn't be a worse person to be compared to. (laughs) Yeah. And so he said that and everybody just goes like, like dead silent. Yeah. Because it was, it was a bunch of people that know my mom. Yes. And and knew it was my mom. Yep. And I remember because the way that that was set up, the comic sat along the wall kind of by the front door. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of right up by the stage too. And I remember he didn't get a reaction and he started to kind of go off again. And I turned and I looked at him. I said, that's my mother. Mm-hmm. And he was like, fuck. And, and everyone went like, oh, yeah. Because they realized that he didn't like he just he did. He was like the only one in the room that didn't know that that was my mom. And like you, the biggest lesbian in the room. <laughs> that is my mom <laughs> here to support me. And and you've never seen a man because Phil is a sweet dude. <laughs> you've never seen a man turn so red. And he was so like eyes right to the floor, like laughing at the position he put himself in and just dead red. And by the way, you were yet to come up. Yeah. So he's fucked. Yeah. Like you're closing out the show. Yeah. And now on him. Yeah. With with the with a crowd that couldn't be supporting more. Oh yeah. Oh, what a what a beautiful night that was. I think that is the only time I have seen Phil flustered. Exactly right. Even the brownie thing didn't bother him at all. No. I watched a man at Martini's threaten to kill him for a song that he was describing. Uh, and Phil apologized, but then still sing the song uh-huh. with no remorse or fear at all. Uh-huh. You're right. That was the first time. He apologized yeah. so hard. It's because you got a presence about you, by the way. you, you I've seen you strike fear in people. You got a, <laughs> I get that from you, my mother. You got a way about you, not just to me, to, to everybody else, too. <laughs> Yeah. It's the it's the silent thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where it comes from. <laughs> it could be it. Yeah. You got to watch the quiet ones. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much for this. This was awesome. Thanks I'd, for having I'd love me. You. I'd, I'd, I love I'd, you too, buddy. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> I want to get you back here as soon as possible. Definitely. All right, thank you.